It matters not which foot lands first. Foot lands in the back court, then the front court, first the front court, then the back court, or both simultaneously. If it's a normal landing, it's a legal play. Greetings, everyone. We're back for another episode of the Basketball Rules Expert, the podcast where we take National Federation of High School Rules, we lift them off the printed page, breathe life into them, simplify, clarify, amplify, give them back to you in an audio format that you can take with you onto the basketball court. Greetings again, everybody. My name is Greg Austin with a betterofficial.com. I've been a high school basketball official for over a decade, and I consider myself to be a basketball rules expert. This show is all about helping you on your journey to becoming a basketball rules expert as well. Before we get started in today's show, a shout out to show supporters, Jeff Harry, Brian Norfleet, Dave Hedge, and Thomas Anticola. Much appreciated and much love. If you want to support the show, there'll be a link in the show notes below. Today, we're going to get started with an exploration of backcourt rules in high school basketball. Backcourt violations and backcourt rules are misunderstood by a great number of officials, players, coaches, and other stakeholders in the game. The rules are inconsistently applied at the high school level. That is just a straight-up fact of life. Part of the inconsistency that occurs with National Federation of High School basketball rules is the existence of other levels. So backcourt rules at the NCAA level and the NBA level are different than at the high school level. Who watches NCAA level? And NBA level, officials, players, coaches, and other stakeholders in the game. They receive a level of training about what's legal and what's not legal from other rule sets that do not apply. Here's the great news. The rules of high school basketball are simple and straightforward. The rules themselves. Let's understand, though, that in adjudicating backcourt plays... There's challenges. It happens over a period of time, right? The development of all the factors that go into making a determination about whether it's a violation occur over a period of time. When somebody steps out of bounds, that's an easy call. But when somebody steps on a backcourt line, there's other factors that we have to determine about team control, front court status, etc. that cause us to have more processing time as basketball officials. So just recognize that going in, but also recognize that the rule set itself is very straightforward. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to cover the rules that govern backcourt violations in National Federation of High School Rules. Before we get going, let's take a very hard look at Rule 9-9. There's three sections in the rule, and they cover the backcourt violation. Very straightforward. Article 1, and this is by far the most important. Article 1, a player must not be the first to touch the ball after it has been in team control in the front court 
if he or she or a teammate last touched or was touched by the ball in the front court before it went into the backcourt. That is not language that's easily processed. We're going to break it down. We're going to create a formula that basically reflects that in a much simpler format. All right. But before we do that, let's look at Article 2. Now, Article 2 is a very rare occurrence. While in player and team control in the backcourt, a player must not cause the ball to go from the backcourt to the frontcourt and return to the backcourt without the ball touching a player in the frontcourt, such that he or she or a teammate is first to touch in the backcourt. You might remember in our lightning round episode that we just concluded, we had a play where from the backcourt, a team passed the ball to the frontcourt, hit an official who was standing in the front court, the ball bounces into the backcourt and is touched by that same team. That is what this refers to. Causing the ball to go from backcourt to frontcourt to backcourt without touching a player, being the last to touch in the backcourt and the first to touch when the ball comes back into the backcourt. You can imagine a player standing with the ball at the division line, throws the ball forward with a spin on it, and it bounces back to them. They catch it. That's a violation under this clause. Or throwing a pass, you're near the division line, maybe you throw a cross-court bounce pass with English that contacts the front court and bounces to your teammate who's still near the division line in the backcourt. Something strange and unusual. How often is this kind of play going to come up? Super rarely. It's not a common scenario. But also, let's look at Article 3, because that's critical to our understanding of the rule. During a jump ball, throw-in, or while on defense, a player may legally jump from his or her front court, secure control of the ball with both feet off of the floor, and return to the floor with one or both feet in the backcourt. The player may make a normal landing, and it makes no difference whether the first foot down is in the front court or the backcourt. This is commonly known as the exception, right? It applies during a jump ball, when a player is making a defensive play, and during a throw-in. It's super important to understand this exception exists, and it will come into play. Now, let's take a look at the simple formula that reflects Article 1 of the rule. Simply put, there are three elements that are required for a backcourt violation in National Federation of High School Rules. We must have team control on the court. Now, let's remember National Federation of High School Rules gave team control during a throw-in, but It's only for the administration of fouls. It has no bearing on backcourt violations or three-second violations or anything like that. It's an artificial team control. But that team control exists during a throw-in. But to have a backcourt violation, we have to have team control on the court. How is team control established in high school basketball? Team control is established by a player holding or dribbling the ball. That's in my pocket. I take it with me on the court. That I know. Holding or dribbling the ball, player control, that establishes team control on the court. So we must have team control on the court. That is the first part of the formula. The second part is 
that the offending team must be the last to touch in the front court. To know that, we need to know front court status. We need to be aware of status. And thirdly, the team, the offending team needs to be the first to touch in the backcourt. So there we have it. Team control on the court, last to touch in the front court, first to touch in the backcourt. It's as simple as that. If those three conditions are met, we have a backcourt violation. If any of those conditions is not met, we do not have a backcourt violation and we have a legal play by rule. All right, let's look at questions. A1 is dribbling in the front court. B1 reaches and deflects the ball, which hits off A1's knee and caroms into the backcourt. A1 runs into the backcourt and is the first to touch the ball. The officials give the approved NFHS tip signal and rule this a legal play. Were the officials correct? Yes or no? Let's review team control, how it's established, how it ends, and some other factors about it. We have to know and understand fully player control, team control, to officiate the game of high school basketball. Rule 4, Section 12, Control, Player, and Team. Let's remember, Article 2, a team is in control of the ball when a player of the team is in control. That would be holding or dribbling the basketball. B, while a live ball is being passed amongst teammates, players holding the ball, player control, releases the ball to a pass to a teammate, there's no longer player control, but team control continues. C, during an interrupted dribble, player dribbling the ball loses control of the ball. It bounces off their leg, their foot, get, bounces away. Is there still team control? Yes. Yes, there is. And D, when a player of the team has disposal of the ball for a throw-in. And we understand that this is only for the administration of fouls. If there is a foul by the throwing team during a throw-in or its aftermath, there it is a team control foul. We will not shoot free throws. The ball will be awarded to the offended team for a throw-in nearest the spot of the foul. Article 3. Team control continues until the ball is in flight during a try or tap for goal. B, an opponent secures control. C, the ball becomes dead. Those are the only three ways that team control can end. Let's take a look at very important article, Article 4, which is also part of the, one of the 20 rules fundamentals of National Federation of High School Basketball Rules. And that is... While the ball remains live, a loosed ball always remains in control of the team whose player last had control, unless it is a try or tap for goal. Right? This makes sense because we know when team control ends and if the ball is loose, that doesn't mean team control has ended. That's a very important understanding because in other rule sets, right, that is not necessarily the case. Collegiate officiating on the men's side, NBA, when the ball becomes loose, things change rules-wise, right? So we just have to be aware of that fact that those other rule sets exist and they're going to affect the energy that comes at us in a basketball game 
from people who don't know or understand the high school rules. So, in our play, players dribbling the basketball in the front court, do we have team control on the court? Yes, yes we do. The ball is deflected by the defense and caroms off the offensive player's leg. And they were the last to touch the ball in the front court. Ball goes into the backcourt. They go and retrieve the basketball, and they are the first to touch in the backcourt. Team control on the court, last to touch in the front court, first to touch in the backcourt, violation by rule. Okay? Team control on the court. That's the key part of this equation. Did team control end? No. The defensive touch did not end team control. This is a violation by rule. Invariably, coach is going to be on the sideline going, they tipped the ball. They tipped the ball. It's not a factor in the play. So in this case, were the officials correct? No. No, they were not. A1 attempts a try for a three-point goal. The ball hits the backboard and is batted backwards by A2. While still in Team A's front court, A3 touches the ball with both hands, but muffs the ball, which then bounces into Team A's backcourt. A3 then grabs the ball. The officials rule that this is a legal play. Were the officials correct? Yes or no? Pretty straightforward. What do we have? We have team with the ball and team control in the front court. Player releases a try for a three-point goal. The ball misses the ring, hits the backboard. One of the teammates of the player who attempted the try bats the ball towards the backcourt. Their teammate, stationed near the backcourt, says, I got it, I got it, muffs the ball, goes caroms into the backcourt, and they retrieve it. So let's just break down what has happened on this play. We have team control in the front court. We have team control on the court. That's number one. But then there's a try for goal. When does team control end? One of the elements, it ends on a try for goal. So now there is no longer team control. So we need to determine, do we regain team control? The ball is batted by the player attempting the rebound. Is a bat team control? Is the bat control of the basketball? Is control of the basketball holding or dribbling the ball? That player has not established team control. The player who attempted to catch the ball, it contacted them, but they never had control of the ball by rule. And it went into the backcourt and they retrieved the basketball. That is a legal play by rule. The reason is what's missing? Team control on the court. We had last to, t- we had last to touch in the front court and first to touch in the backcourt But team control, no, 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 no. So that's missing. It's a legal play by a rule. So in this instance, were the officials correct? Yes. Yes, they were. While making a throw-in near the 28-foot mark in Team A's front court, A1 passes the ball to A2 in the front court near the division line. A2 muffs the ball, and the ball bounces directly into the backcourt, where A2 runs back and retrieves the basketball. The officials rule this to be a backcourt violation on Team A. 
Were the officials correct? Yes or no? When National Federation of High School added the clause in the rule where team control exists on a throw-in, it created a lot of problems with officials on these kind of plays. They know, well, they were last to touch in the front court, first to touch in the back court, and they had team control, right? That makes sense. But in order for a violation to occur, we have to have team control on the court. A player on the court has to establish player control. In this instance, we make a pass. The player never had control. They muffed it. Went into the backcourt. They retrieve it. That is a legal play by rule. Uh, maybe the defense deflects the ball. It goes off the player's leg and goes uh, the, uh, the teammate of the thrower bounces off their leg. They're the last to touch and into the backcourt. But in all these cases, we do not yet have team control on the court. So we do not have a violation. This is a legal play. But before we leave this play, let's also note, we will be exposed to a number of rules questions on tests and quizzes, etc. And oftentimes they're prefaced with the location of the throw-in spot, throw-in near the division line, throw-in at the 28-foot line, throw-in on the end line under their basket, etc., Understand this, it doesn't matter where the throw-in is. They're all the same by rule. They are off the court. That anywhere on the court or anywhere off the court for the throw-in, the rules are the same. Location of the throw-in has no bearing on the play. So in this play where the officials ruled a backcourt violation, were the officials correct? No. No, they were not. A1 releases a throw-in pass. A2 jumps from Team A's front court, catches the ball while in the air, then lands first with a foot in the front court, and then with a foot in the back court. The officials rule a backcourt violation on Team A. Were the officials correct? Yes or no? Right, if we think back to Rule 9-9-3, which we covered at the beginning of the video, there's an exception that's built into the rule, and that is evidenced in this play. Thr thrower releases the throw-in pass. Teammate jumps front with front court status, catches the ball, lands in the backcourt. Having one foot in the backcourt here is backcourt status. That player has landed in the backcourt. One foot lands first. The second foot lands in the backcourt. But remember, the exception says that player may jump in the air, catch the ball, and make a normal landing. If it matters not which foot lands first, foot lands in the back court, then the front court, first the front court, then the back court, or both simultaneously. If it's a normal landing, it's a legal play. This is the exception to the rule. During a throw-in, jump ball, or when I'm making a play on defense, a defensive play, there's an exception that allows this player to make this play. So backcourt violation was ruled. In this case, were the officials correct? No. No, they were not. A1 is dribbling in the backcourt. As A1 nears the division line, they first bounce the ball in the front court, then step into the front court with their right foot. Then A1 backs out and continues to dribble in the backcourt. 
the officials rule a backcourt violation on Team A. Were the officials correct? Yes or no? All right. Dribbler, dribbling in the backcourt, approaches the division line. They're close to the division line. They bounce the ball in the front court. One of their feet contacts the front court. At that point, they retreat into the backcourt. To understand player location, we have to look at Rule 4-4. Rule 4, the most important rule in the rules book for new officials. Rule 4-4, Section 6. During a dribble from backcourt to frontcourt, the ball is in the frontcourt when the ball and both feet of the dribbler touch the court entirely in the frontcourt. Clearly defined by rule. You will see people refer to this clause a lot, misunderstanding it. This only applies to a dribbler in the backcourt establishing frontcourt status. It has no effect when we throw the ball to a player in the front court and they fumble the ball and it goes in the backcourt or something like that. Well, they didn't have three points. That is not a factor. It only applies when dribbling the ball from the backcourt to the front court. In order to establish front court status for the ball and the player, all three points have to contact the front court. Super important to understand. One, two, contact, and they retreat, and they come back, and again, one, two, contact, and they retreat. Legal. Legal by rule. We may have a 10-second count that's putting pressure on them to do something going forward, but the act uh, of, of not coming into the front court fully is a legal play. So on this play, where the player did not establish three points, were the officials correct? No. No, they were not. A1 is making a throw-in along the sideline in Team A's backcourt. A1 makes the throw-in towards A2, who is standing in Team A's frontcourt. B1 deflects the throw-in pass after it's released. A2 jumps from Team A's frontcourt, catches the pass in the air, and lands in the backcourt. The officials rule this to be a legal play. Were the officials correct? Yes or no. Now we're saying, this sounds familiar, right? A player jumping from the front court to the back court, they can catch the ball by rule, right? Let's remember that the rule applies during a jump ball when a defensive player makes a play and during a throw-in. Okay, well, this was during a throw-in, right? Uh, well, let's... Remember that a throw-in has a start and a throw-in has an end. And when does the throw-in end in high school basketball? A throw-in ends when it is legally touched by any player in bounds. So the deflection by the defensive player removes the exception. So now that player now that player is not allowed that exception. So when they catch the basketball, they jump from the front court and catch the basketball. They have front court status. The ball has front court status. They land in the back court. They have back court status. The ball has back court status. 
When the player caught the ball, we had player control. We had team control on the court with front court status. They were the last to touch in the front court due to their status of catching the ball while leaving the front court and catching it in the air. And they were the first to touch the ball in the back court when they landed. This is a violation by rule. Were the officials correct on this play? Nope. No, they were not. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around to the end of the podcast. Gotta thank our show supporters today. Jeff Harry, Brian Norfleet, Dave Hedge, and Thomas Anticola. Much appreciated and much love. If you want to be support the show, you can always buy us a coffee at abetterofficial.com slash coffee. There's a link in the show notes below. As always, we've created a quiz. It's back at the website, abetterofficial.com. There's a link in the show notes. Remember to like the show, review the show, and say nice things about us. Also, share with other basketball officials as well. And remember, our Basketball Rules Expert podcast is also available on our YouTube channel. There'll be a link in the show notes as well. So with that, until next time, take care.